I'm Laura. I work across the street at a grocery store. I, I sit at the front desk and there's a huge dog, or there was a huge dog corral outside, and sometimes there's like a lot of barking depending on the the dogs outside. And uh, this day, there's like there's a lot of barking, and then suddenly there's like a lot of barking. It sounded like there was like a wild pack of dogs that was going to like loot the co-op or something. So I walked outside, and uh, I looked at the dog corral and. All the, all the dogs in the corral weren't making any noise. They were really confused and they were like looking around. And, and then I looked up and all of the, the people on the street had like slowed down and were kind of curiously looking around because there was a lot of barking, but it wasn't coming out of the mouths of the dogs. The barking kept going for a while and then it just totally went silent for a moment and then there was a <laughs> and um, it was it was like an undeniable elephant noise and it kept going and I was like this is getting so fucking annoying and um, I went outside to check uh what had happened and I was looking around and I saw like across the street on the first floor window an apartment window had been cracked and there was like the head of a megaphone and like these black horn rim glasses and a nose like peeking out and I was like motherfucking Derek Erdman is trolling the neighborhood with what then at that point was a sheep noise This is Ratmaster Maurice. It's come to my attention that you're working on a project with a friend and not really holding up your end of the bargain, so I made a rap about it. <laughs> well, my name's Maurice. I don't tell no... Beverly Records. Hi. Do you carry any money? Pardon me? Do you have any money? Any money? Any money. Huh? Do you have any money? Any money? Any money. Any. Eddie Money. Eddie Money, yeah. You have any money? Yeah. How much money do you have? Eddie Money, you're talking about the artist? Eddie Money. Yeah. Do you sell free jazz? Who? Free jazz. Free jazz. Hello? Hello? You calling about the free psychic hotline? No. What time is it? 6 a.m.? Dusty Groove. Hi. You specialize in rare and hard to find records, correct? That's true. Do you sell any records that have never been in print? Uh... Like no. records that have never been made? No. Like, I mean, what in specific are you looking for? Let's say, for instance, an artist such as Sergio Mendez uh -huh. thought about making a record but never made it? Would you carry that? No, also, I don't think so. do you have any titles from the future? Wait, I see a lot of money in your future. Like what? I see a lot of money in your future. See a lot of money? Yes. You're going to win the lottery. <laughs> you bullshit, man. It's gonna be a scratch ticket. Yeah.
So what did you think of him? What was your first impression of that was your first interaction? I thought he was a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he had this huge chip on his shoulder. I was like, just... He's very warm. Um, He's very witty. I thought he was very pleasant. First met Derek about a year before he started in his old um, gallery space called Derek Erdman's International House of Paintings. What did you think of Derek when you first met him? Oh my God, I thought he was adorable. He is an OE, which is what I was called. I was like, oh yeah, he's an OG, but he is an OE. He's just original like Erdman. I met Derek in 2006. which was Sub Pop's first year at the Pitchfork Music Festival. And most of the people sell records and CDs. They're record labels or they're record uh, dealers or people that have stores. Uh, But for some reason, I was given a table in the record selling area, which was uncommon for somebody selling crafts, which is essentially I was just selling paintings. And he happened to be, uh, if not in the same row, very nearby. It was extremely hot. It was like 103 degrees, like relentless sun. And I was seated next to Sarah Moody and Lacey Swain. I believe Joan Hiller was there. And, you know, I was first in awe because I love sub pop. And Derek was an eccentric, welcoming Chicagoan. So, I, you know, I probably put on my best face, but... Um, and became very quick friends with myself, uh, Joan LeMay and Lacey Swain. I was pretty nervous to be hanging out with them because I thought they were, you know, so cool. But they were all friendly. And we talked about so many things. And at the end of it... Said, hey, you all should have a free painting. Here you go. And I still have mine. (laughs) What does it look like? (laughs) Uh, It's a small circular piece of wood that is yellow and has a cat on it. We'd exchanged contact info and Lacey sent me a copy of the Dead Moon documentary. And I kept in touch with all of them. And I'm really great friends with all three of them. They've remained very constant friends since then. But I always wanted the job of receptionist. It was, you know, it's always been kind of like a storied position. And I would come in to visit or I'd fill in with Rosie and it just felt perfect to me. Uh, So when it was decided that she was leaving, I think to pursue something in the restaurant business, I jumped all over it. I will tell him that you called, um, and I apologize that he hasn't gotten back to you, uh, and he will be reprimanded. I'll be sure that that happens. Maybe just to uh, mention him, because may- I'm sure maybe... I mean, I'm going to do more than mention it. I'm going su- to actually suggest that he gets fired, that, I, that we relieve him of his position. Oh, no, I don't want him to get fired, really. Well, I mean, this isn't the first problem that we've had with Mr. Jacobs, so... Uh, oh, no, please, don't. I don't want to be reason for firing, because uh, I don't, no, I don't know, maybe... It, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be the reason, exactly. I mean, Who? Be because maybe I need to ask my husband, maybe he reply my husband, so please don't, because my husband is out of town. Oh. So let's see if we find out, maybe he replies to my husband. His job at Sub Pop, as far as I can tell, <laughs> aside from uh, lead lead doer of antics is I think of him kind of as the office manager you know he makes sure everything is fixed that we have all the supplies we need all the tea that everyone's just happy he's usually um, friendly to people he takes care of 65 people every day that's a lot to do cob nobbler something like that 
And what's his job here? I think he's like the office manager, personally, because he has to deal with so much of our crap. Derek's the... Derek's the glue that binds Sub Pop. I mean, like, he's like... He's like part receptionist, part everyone's big brother, part, like, prankster-in-chief. He takes care of everyone exceptionally well, like, better than anyone I've ever worked with in a similar, like, role. He does, he really does care, but he, he just does it in his own way. I had already worked here, so I felt like I kind of had like a shoe in, like why not just let me have it? But they have a process of hiring. They have to interview a bunch of people. Uh, so I did put my resume in and I sent a cover letter and I made a, like I contacted everybody I knew in the music business to give me a, a quote about me, kind of like a mini reference, but like dozens of them, even one from my mom. Um, kind of like you'd see on like a movie cover yeah, in the back of a book? exactly. That's a perfect example. Uh, and so they were kind of like, you know, charmed by that. You know, there's a real fine line between being obnoxious and going out of your way to do something to stand out. Yeah. And I think that was kind of like right there in the middle. It wasn't something that, it wasn't like radical. It wasn't like a loud song or like I did some kind of one act play to get the job. It was like, here's a bunch of, oh, and then Chris Jacobs was very impressed that Gerard Cosloy from Matador was on there. He gets people the pens that they want. <laughs> <laughs> one year he did an egg hunt for us. Like an Easter egg hunt? Yeah. He's very helpful and thoughtful and curmudgeonly. In many ways, he's like, I feel like he is the face of Sub Hop to the outside world that's not our industry contacts. I mean, he is the first person that when people come here trying to be closer to Kurt Cobain, because that happens all the time, or to try to, you know, give us a demo. He's the per first person to, like, pick up the phone to answer any demo questions. He's the first person to give tours to tourists that come to Seattle, thinking that we make records here and realizing that we don't actually... We market the records here. I mean, he, he really is just a super patient person that is always, like, no matter how long a person's here, even if they're dropping off a demo, it's like, can I get you some coffee? Can I get you some tea? Like, I've never met anyone who is so patient. What do you mean when you say you were obsessed with Sub Pop in high school? Well, uh, I loved punk rock as a kid, and... When I was in high school in the early 90s, that was kind of the modern punk rock, you know, it was more of what was happening on um, Sub Pop, uh, Nirvana, of course, and Tad and, you know, Mud Honey, that kind of, that was going, that was the contemporary stuff. I was a huge fan of the stuff that was going on in the past, mostly SST and Touch and Go, those two labels, but here was a new label that had a similar ethos, but was happening at that moment. So I made a, you know, a I made my way to those shows in Cleveland because they were happening at the time. I couldn't go see Husker Du anymore. I couldn't go see Black Flag anymore. And those were the things that happened that I was too too young for. That happened before my time. But here are these bands coming through, you know, the Afghan Wigs playing in Cleveland. So I was able to go to those shows. And it was kind of cool that uh, here is a record label. They modeled themselves after something like Motown that made the label also part of the story as opposed to the bands and that made it all, I don't know, easy to know about, easy to, lo easy to love, 
But also they had such a great self-deprecating sense of humor and such a good story that it was easy to, you know, buy those records. You knew what they were. You kind of knew what they were going to sound like. You know, I think they did that on purpose. They were so smart when they started this label and the idea behind it. They wasn't just fly by the seat of the pants. It seemed like they had a very clear vision, which is which is why I think when you interact with Jonathan Poneman on a day-to-day basis, you stop sometimes and remember that you're dealing with somebody who, I don't know, changed the face of culture in a way, you know? Absolutely. If you were to describe Derek to someone who had never had the pleasure of meeting him, how Mm. would you describe him? Brilliant, diligent, funny, honorable, um, subversive, brilliant, um, loving, subversive, (laughs) brilliant. You get the idea. I do. So a lot of people have had that job that Derek has currently, the front desk position at Sub Pop over the years. Megan, Jasper, um, Alyssa Atkins, Lacey, Kim Warnick, like tons of different people. What has he done to change the way that position is part of the fabric of Sub Pop? He's brought a dignity to it, a historical weight Um, his own brand of reverence and irreverence and uh, he's given it the full um, benefit of his personality and he has truly not just transformed the position but is in many ways led to a transformation within the company in a very subtle way. I I think that he has a way that about him that is infectious and it's hard to describe, but I've seen him like elevate a room many times and it's it's hard to isolate exactly what it is and I think in some ways by doing so you're not demeaning it but you're not giving it enough you're not acknowledging the certain grace that comes with this thing that he has Jerk. So give Kaz Ruby and Andy a rest. 
holy shit, uh, I'm, I'm a speed poet, so I'm just blown away. I just, uh, I, I would, <laughs> is there a way I can request a recording of this phone conversation? It'll be on my website. <laughs> okay, good, good. I, I'll, uh, I'll go find it on your website. Thank you very much. Go ahead and Google search Hi, this is Marianne Spellman. These are 10 reasons I love Derek Erdman. Number one, his art is filled with sly humor, vibrant color, and is affordable and adorable. Two, his art veers into performance as Seattle's finest prankster and diabolical mixer, doing semi-outrageous and weird things that rile half the people up and make the other half laugh convulsively. What else have we done together? Oh, one time Derek had me and Marianne impersonate him at his own uh, art event. So we both dressed up as Derek. This video still exists of us making out in a hail of Haribo bears, and it's the Derek Erdman sex tape. There's a video of him successfully throwing an ice cube into the vent of a porta potty <laughs> from the third story window. <laughs> so there's a 7-Eleven across from our building and there's big signs that advertise their pizza and he is known to take them and tape them to the front of our door so when we try to leave our apartment there's just like a five foot tall pizza sign. So he barricades you into your own apartment? Yes. <laughs> I can't even handle how much I love that kid. I just have to tell you this right now. It kills me that he's leaving Sub Pop. And I'm happy for him because I really just want him to do all of the things that make him happy in life. But this is one of those moments where I really, it's very hard for me not to be purely selfish and just say, I fucking want Derek Erdman more in all of our lives. I can't handle the thought of him leaving. So what is it about him leaving that is so hard? Derek Erdman is one of those people where your head can be in a million different places from dark to crazy bright, and he all of a sudden seems like there's a grounding force. Derek is someone who can lift you when you're down or he can kind of like pull you down when you're flying too high and bring you back to a place of sanity, which is totally bizarre because sane is not a word I would use to describe him. (laughs) Working with a boss like Megan, who I truly feel is my big sister, is pretty much has ruined me, I think, for any other serious job in my future because there's no way that you can think or operate that way in regular society. You know, I, I'm encouraged here to, like, keep track of who eats what kind of candy and, you know, pull pranks if necessary. But if you do that kind of thing in a regular office job, I'm sure it's going to get frowned upon. Um, and, you know, Jonathan, I think, created a place where you you can make it whatever you want. And I think some people are kind of afraid of that because it's, it is a workplace and you know you think you have to uh, carry yourself in some way, but it's hard to get in trouble here. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, if you do something shitty, obviously shitty, but when it comes to different ways of thinking or different ways of acting, it's, it's encouraged, it's okay. So what do you wanna say um, as part of his send off? 
In this I want to tell him to fuck right off. <laughs> Good fucking luck, bitch. That's what you get for fucking leaving. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I forgot to talk about um, one of my favorite things that he does in the office that may have been mentioned already is the topless drive-bys. Like when there's a meeting going on in the conference room, he'll just take his shirt off and then walk by the glass door. (laughs) Like kind of no matter who's in there. Seriously? Yes. I did not know anything about that. I know. He's done it like numerous times. A topless drive-by. Yeah. So let's set the scene a little bit. We're sitting in the conference room with like a new A&R prospect having a meeting. And then all of a sudden, Derek just walks by top off. Yeah. And like doesn't even look in, you know, like deadpans it. (laughs) (laughs) The burger bombs is another one. What is that? You don't know about burger bombs? No. Burger bombs would be uh, you would pay Derek to buy a fast food burger and ship it to your enemy of choice (laughs) so that by the time it arrived it would be pretty gross and they wouldn't know what it was and they would open it up and it would be a disgusting burger bomb (laughs) so he's leaving Yeah. on this episode whatever it is that I'm making here is kind of like a long yearbook entry Yeah. Um, so what would you want to say to Derek knowing that he's moving away I'm gonna miss Derek, uh, but Derek does what Derek wants, so Derek should do that. Um, and Derek's always gonna be here. I mean, he's everywhere. Like he, he's his art's everywhere. His like, his his like antics and his memories will be everywhere, um, and he'll be here. But yeah, I'm gonna miss him. Big shoes to fill. Well, Lacey Swain is the person that I moved here for because we're so close. What do you mean you moved here for her? I was going to move to Austin, and Lacey and her then-husband, Ruben, were kind of the people who sort of uh, made the bid for me to move here instead. I was so excited for him to come to Seattle because I felt like there was, uh, you know, just this overwhelming seriousness here. Of it, like everything was kind of serious and he's so not serious and so I really can't go without saying anything about my time in Seattle without mentioning Lacey being it's f- being like my constant you know like definitely like I mentioned that Megan Jasper is like a sister Lacey is more like a twin he for sure seems to me I'm like ah we have to be related I think more than anyone I've ever met, I was like, that's me with a dick, you know? <laughs> like, really? He's the best. Like, where we do differ is in that the things that are funny and ridiculous and absurd, to me, a lot of times end up just weighing me the fuck down, where I'm like, and I can't get out of bed today, you know? But he takes everything around him, good and bad, and just tries to make it all good same age same background same cultural references 
same way of speaking. And I don't consider her to be a friend that I met here. She's one of the people that I knew beforehand. So like when it comes to very close family type people, Lacey Swain is one of those. And I can't, I haven't even thought yet what it's gonna be like to not know her all the time, regularly. It'll be sad. The thing about Derek is just, it's in these small moments. It's in these, like how you, how Derek deals with like just what is in front of him right now, you know? Like you'll have a good time just because he'll point out some ridiculousness around you and it becomes awesome. But I mean, I would say everybody, I can't really specify anybody because I have, you know, I love everybody for so many reasons. And I, you, in the front desk position, you talk to everybody. You're not just working within a certain department and only talk to two people. You see everybody in the morning on their way in. You see them on their way out. Uh, you order them whatever they want. You know, if they have a, a problem, they come to you. I've also become kind of like the social hub or like when people want to gossip or people have a problem. I have so many people that come up and cry sometimes. I've learned also each person who does that, what they need. You know, like if they need for me to sit by them and make them tea and like, like be near them or if they just need to sit there and be alone but to know that I know they're there. Because everybody has when they need to be comforted in that way, you know, like what they are comfortable with and what helps them. I'll miss you, Derek Erdman. What are you going to miss about Sub Pop? I'll miss the people that I work with, the people that I'm close with. I mean, I think over the years I've, like, annoyed the shit out of a lot of people, and so I think a lot of people kind of take me at arm's length. But the people who have embraced me and have made my job here, you know, like, a true joy. Never have I come here dreading it. Never have I ever felt like a receptionist. Like, no one's ever said, like, oh, you're just the receptionist. Um, no one's ever treated me anyway like that. And like I was almost a little worried about that. And I have to say in the past when I've met people outside of the office and I've told them that I work for Sub Pop and when they ask what I do, they either think I'm joking or like they sort of look down on me like, oh, you're just the receptionist. Because it is like a job that sounds entry level or it's for like, you know, children or something like sure, that. Sure, but if anyone knows anything about the history of the company. True, yeah, it is sometimes considered like the face or you know like that person's personality rubs off on the way the company is seen and for good reason because you're the person mostly interacting with the general public yeah and you can go from being receptionist to you know second in command yeah megan jasper ceo sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in work and then forget that we're all humans. And I think that that's like the most important aspect of Derek. He also, keeps us human? He keeps us human. He keeps us like reminded that like at the end of the day, we're all here for the same reasons because we love music. What do you think of Derek's antics? When you say that, the first thing that comes to mind is that I think his antics go too far sometimes. Really? I don't really like it if he's like throwing pizza out the third floor office windows. So what what don't you like about Derek throwing pizza out of a third story window? It seems irresponsible and just like not something that should be happening in the workplace or in any place. He would like make a seagull sound to call them and then he would throw like giant slices of pizza out like hoping that they would catch them in flight. Like I've never met anyone who is more 
themselves. Like he he doesn't care what anyone thinks. He he just wants to be Derek. He's not trying to be anyone else ever. And I think that's kind of a rare thing, especially in music, especially a record company. He's like only ever himself. And I think people warm to that because Derek is Derek. Um, on my birthday this year, he also painted happy birthday in like 10 foot by 20 foot down on the street below my apartment. He's like, Can you hey. show me through the window like where it's it was? Not there anymore, yeah. But there's some. So it was like right kind of down where those cars are by Little Uncle. So when you look down, you can see. Texted, he was like, "Hey, look out your window!" And I looked down, and a just massive "Happy Birthday" on the street, painted. And I think it was there for probably two months or so. <laughs> One important feature of Derek's personality is that he's actually really honest and vulnerable and sincere. And I think that a lot of people think that he's faking it because that's so rare. Like, you don't meet people with no facade. Ever. And I don't think he has one, and I think that for some reason people think that he does. I mean, he's certainly a smart and calculating artist, but I think he's completely real all the time, and that's what I like about him. I don't think he ever fakes anything. And I think that he has a fascinating... uh, I think... One of the ways that we connect is that a lot of really fucked up things have happened to both of us, and we have both used humor just to survive. People sometimes don't trust you when you're funny. They think you're up to something. But he and I both just, we have to live that way to get by. There's that Hemingway quote, a man's got to take a lot of punishment to write a really funny book. And I, so I see so much humor in his paintings, but also a lot of pain. Hello, this is Marianne Carter, and I just wanted to say a few words about Derek Erdman. I love Derek Erdman. I love his work, not only as a visual artist, but as a merry prankster. And I think his finest work is when he combines the two. Um, One of my fondest memories of this was when he created a poster of David Bowie's drug phases that he plastered all over the city of Seattle um, for David Bowie's 69th birthday which, as we're all familiar with, was probably an inopportune time to troll uh, David Bowie because David Bowie in turn trolled Derek and the rest of the world by dying. Um, But the joke continued when I collected a few of the posters and hung them in my apartment. And late one evening um, during a party, I mentioned that it was Derek's work because I collect a lot of his work and it was hanging among his original paintings and I got in an argument with a guest who didn't believe that it was Derek and so I noticed that there was a phone number to call at the bottom um, if you were interested in getting hooked on drugs like David Bowie and so I texted that number and it came back that it wasn't that text messages couldn't be received um, which meant it wasn't Derek because I had his number saved so I gave it a call and it was the Seattle Police Department Um, who actually graciously took my call and I asked for David Bowie and they said he wasn't there but that I was not the only person who had called looking for him. 
Uh, well, my name is Jesus Murphy. Uh, I've known him for a couple of years. And if you had to describe him to someone who had never met him before, how would you describe him? I don't think I could describe him. Seattle is like, they're not, Seattle's not going to know what to do without him. I think people like Derek are what make Seattle so special, and um, I'm really going to miss Derek. So wait, Derek was offering people $20 yes. if they would let him shave their head? Yeah, it was an art show at this um, skate shop. But yeah, he was did giving you, out hot dogs and $20 to get your head shaved. Did you see anyone get their head shaved? Yes, yes. And um, a, a woman got her head shaved, and she actually got quite a bit of hair chopped off. And um, Derek did a really good job. Anything else about Derek? Oh, man. I wish he'd change his fucking underwear. <laughs> if he could make anything better... He needs to change his underwear. As wonderful as he is, he fucking smells. <laughs> Fix it. Hello, my name is Emily, and I was married to Derek Erdman for five years. I know a lot about Derek, but I guess in the interest of time, I'll just share this one thing that I think that maybe not many people know about him, and that is that he is just a huge, huge Jimmy Buffett fan. They're called parrot heads, is what his fans are called. Uh, Derek definitely gets the monthly newsletter, which is called the Coconut Telegraph. So he's always up on what Jimmy Buffett's doing. So yeah, um, I guess if you see Derek around, you should ask him to break down the lyrics to Margaritaville, specifically the line about flip-flops. Um, I think he'd really like that. So yeah, thanks! This is Keith Whiteman saying that Derek Urban is number one Seattle's leader and throwing half-eaten fruit out of a living room window. Thank you. The thing about Derek is like, pretty much like anything you do with him is gonna be fun and like pretty weird. Might like slightly be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really important to me knowing that that consciousness was somewhere in town wherever I was. So like every time a piece of the sort of ecosystem of art goes away like that. I worry. 10. I love Derek because when he moves away from Seattle, he'll leave a hole a mile wide, and you have to be a pretty damn amazing person to do that. Um, I wish he weren't going, and I hope he has good times where he's going. He's actually exactly one and a half years younger than I am. So if, if you feel compelled to request a burger bomb for delivery, and or the return of Rapmaster Maurice, I highly su suggest that you call or text Derek Erdman at 773-595-9708. How can they not like his antics? Who doesn't like his antics? What, what well, info like, have you got? There's someone who I interviewed who works here who got very upset that he used to throw pizza to the seagulls <laughs> out the window. There is... <laughs> The one of the people who lived in the apartment building where Singles was shot um, was very upset that he tried to that he invited essentially five thousand people to watch Singles in the courtyard of that apartment building, which is like twelve by twelve <laughs> feet wide. Um, That's amazing, though. How can you be annoyed at that? That's I, like how can if you if you don't like Zantics, then that's right. just jealousy. Jealousy. Yeah, that's people. What you think it is? I think it's jealousy. That's like if you don't find you like you're just you're just annoyed you didn't think of that because <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. 
Why are you leaving? Oh, I miss Chicago. I'm from the Midwest. I'm Midwestern. Those are my people. And also the winter is brutal. It, it's not for everybody and it's not for, I shut down. I go into a cocoon mode that I don't even realize that you lull into it in September, October. And then the next thing you know, it's April and you're like, what has happened? Like, I don't know what has happened the last three months. But people are going to hear that you're moving to Chicago. It's, a, it's different. Chicago might be freezing, but at least there's sun. You can still tell that a day has happened. It's also, you know, closer to the equator in the way that the sun doesn't set at 4 p.m. and doesn't rise at 10 a.m. Uh, and there's a trade-off, of course, that the summers aren't as manic. Uh, they are extremely hot there, and but it is a standard amount of daylight. But that's the thing about Seattle is that the summers are so incredible that right now it makes no sense for me to move. I'm like, why am I leaving? I've Don't get me wrong. The past month, I'm like, what am I doing? I have the perfect job. I have the perfect apartment. I'm going to move to a place that I haven't been to in a while. I'm going back. Like, is that a failure? Am I going back? Like, is it going to be a mistake? And I'm going to get there and the grass is always greener all the time. But I will then remember November. Do you know what I mean? Like... I have, I've like written a page at home when I feel this way that I look back and think that like the sun is out six hours a day, it's constant drizzle. I feel like, I've had moments where I've been like, you know, like what, should I jump off the bridge? Like how do I kill myself? And then I think I'm not even suicidal. I just haven't seen the sun in two months. That is again, area code 773-595-9708. Please text Derek. (laughs) Anything else, Sarah Moody? Derek's the best. What would you like to say um, to Derek as he goes off on his next adventure? Be sure to visit Ohio. What do you think he'll be up to 20 years from now? I mean, it sounds like he's getting pretty into juggling and he loves to jog as well. So, um, but he was thinking that juggling might be something that he would like to get into. Juggling. And I could see him being, like, really, really good at that. And, like, maybe just <laughs> maybe just being a pro joggler. But he's amazing, and I wish him the best of luck in everything, and I know he can do anything, and I hope he becomes president one day. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? How good would this country be? Should be like, Putin, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> I and we love Derek and um, I hope that he is never a stranger. I would want to thank Derek for everything that he has done for me and for everyone else in this fucking company. That guy has, he has given so much of himself and he does it and asks for nothing. You know, like it just it makes him feel good when other people feel good. And you don't come across people like that every day. He's the best. I certainly can't impart any words of wisdom. I don't think it's necessary. I think everybody here is perfectly well adjusted. Um, And this company was all inspiring when I got here. Uh, It will remain inspiring. I don't feel like I've made any major changes in it. it will continue to be great. I will view it from, again, grass is always greener, uh, jealousy and coveting. 
So really, I have to say, I've met so many great people. Um, I've had so many good experiences. Uh, I've had so many people send me gifts because of it, or you know, gifts to the company. And I think it was just lucky for me to find this place at the time of my life when I did that. It really like it was perfect for me. And it was always like Derek Erdman this, Derek Erdman that. I got tired of it, honestly. You did? Yeah. So that's it. Derek is leaving, and you can find out more about Derek and some of these antics and some of these raps and links to his incredible fucking artwork at our website, subpop.fm. Another quick note, I am also leaving Sub Pop, and it has been incredible to work here. And Alyssa decided that she wanted to ask me some questions, so... If you want to hear a little exit interview with me, keep listening. If not, I, that's fine. That makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I'll miss you guys. And I am going down to work in Los Angeles at the NPR affiliate down there, KPCC, heading up their podcast department. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm, I think, just Arwen N on Twitter. I think if you just look up Arwen Nix, you'll find me. But anyway, here is my exit interview with Alyssa. And um, there will also be more episodes from me after this. I've made kind of a cachet of episodes to keep the season going for a little while longer. And then what will happen to the Sub Pop podcast is kind of TBD. Um, You guys are really great. Thanks for listening. So do you even remember not working here what you thought it was like here? Yeah, I thought everyone here was too cool. (laughs) (laughs) The like sub pot or the Seattle freeze kind of too cool? No, not like mean, but just like cooler than I would ever be. How has that impression changed now that you've been fully embedded in the sub pop world for two years? You guys are not too cool. I mean, very true. Totally I, fair. I can't honestly say, though, that like of all the offices I've worked in, I've never been able to say that I genuinely would be happy to run into anyone that I work with. I've never worked with people who I would hide from if I saw them out in public. But I also, <laughs> you know how there's that difference of if you're walking down the street and you see someone you know and you're like, oh, yeah, I know that person. Right. Or you think, oh, I know that person. Right. And it's like the latter with the people that work here at Sub Pop. I mean, there are still moments in the over a year that I've been here that I still get kind of intimidated when I'll just be sitting in the kitchen and Megan and JP walk in and they're just chatting. And then Derek Erdman walks in <laughs> and Lacey and walks in with Chewy at her feet. It's just like, I don't know, there's something... There's something pretty magical about the place. Like, what's a lasting impression, do you think, now that you have both? 
my honest takeaway from working here is that I think that Jonathan has set this place up in a way where it's kind of both brilliant and really confusing (laughs) because whatever your job is, you have the opportunity and the trust and the leeway from the sub pop brass to make that job what it needs to be like figure out a place go for it they're completely open to creativity and a new approach and they like being pushed but at the same time like you just got to go do it like you don't necessarily have the infrastructure to be like okay i'm going to do this project so here are all the things i need right like no just go do it and figure it out as you figure it out as you go so it's I think there's a certain personality that can work really, really well in that circumstance. And I, you know, I think that the Sub Pop podcast is something that I love making and I love working with you, but it's weird to make something for a record label that isn't a record, you Mm -hmm. know, that's, um, that's respected and well received and appreciated, but is still essentially an accessory of the label. Right. Um, it's not the prime directive. Right. By any means. And, and to have this huge part of my life be an accessory project, not a vanity project, but an accessory project has been hard. Uh huh. Like how so? I don't know. Cause I guess I never felt like I was completely part of the company. Like, And not because anyone's treated me that way, not because anyone's been anything other than welcoming and kind, but because I'm not supporting the main objective, the main objective. Uh What do you think people need to know going into let's make a podcast? Like, don't you feel like you hear people say we should make a podcast? Yeah, I get asked about it all the time. Yeah. And I think that think of making a podcast like forming a band. Absolutely anyone can be in a band nothing is stopping you (laughs) that doesn't mean your band is good right and even if your band is the best that doesn't mean shit either (laughs) right that doesn't mean anyone's gonna listen to it no right so i mean there is a mix of talent a luck of the draw a dedication and a practice that Mm -hmm. has to go into it Mm -hmm. and if you can't commit yourself to doing that like what does that say about what you think about the person listening that they don't deserve that time right so yeah, anyone can make a podcast, just like anyone can be an astronaut. <laughs> you think that's true? Yeah. <laughs> They're both equally true. What are some of your favorite little gems from working on the podcast that uh, we put up? You know, I've actually interviewed JP a lot mm-hmm. for some material that I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day, but that experience of being able to spend time with him is means so much to me. Like Jonathan is an incredible human being and I will definitely whatever teams I run from here on out in my career I will run differently because of his influence why do you think he's so kind mm-hmm. he's so kind and generous and he assumes the highest level of intelligence for people mm-hmm. in a way that makes you want to be as good as he sees you as oh that's so nice I like that and like that's how I want to be. And being treated that way by someone who's the head of the company you work right. for is something that I have held with me every day I've worked here. So now everyone knows that I'm leaving. Um, 
and I'm gonna silence <laughs> and i'm gonna miss you terribly me to you um what happens to the podcast i don't know i remember you saying something to me like i will match you work for work like whatever you put in i will match it and that is so motivating for someone like me because i want to work hard and especially if i know like that there's an like an end goal there i'll do it and like i'd never had anyone like be willing to work outside like extra hours outside of their own job to help me like figure something out before so I knew that that was like a rare really awesome opportunity and I liked you so much that it was easy to say yes to that too so yeah figuring that out and then really like building it so and you know with Stuart's help shaping it because I can definitely get the like big balloon ideas that need to come back down to earth of like okay how are you gonna do that though like I don't know um it's like right now that just feels so much a part of what we do together that I can't really imagine doing that with anyone else. But I also think it's such a like beautiful, great, huge potential project. And like, of course I want you to take this job that you got because it's amazing and perfect for you. And like, what a great opportunity. But I'm also like, you know, a catch in my throat where I'm like, I feel like we're just getting our stride like in the third season where it's like, there's so much potential there of what that can be too. So I guess at this point, I'm like, I don't know. And I don't know is a good enough answer <laughs> like as far as like for my own head, because that leaves the door open for, you know, new possibility. And it also makes it OK if this is just where we're at right now, because I think that th- we did really great work and there's really, really cool stuff to be proud of, of like of for you and for Sub Pop and for us and for me and all of it. It's like, OK. That is great too. Maybe it's like, maybe the trajectory of the Sub Pop podcast is like the Die Hard series. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, season one is great. Everyone agrees. <laughs> season two, no one disagrees. Season right? two, people, um, some people love it, some people disregard Fell it. Fell off. But everyone is glad that it exists because without it, you couldn't have gotten to. Die Hard 3 or season 3 which is easily the best Die Hard in the series <laughs> and just full of great banter and you don't know what's going to happen next right and maybe it's better that we cut and run because Die Hard 4 and 5 are terrible <laughs> you know 